Welcome to Marketing Retail with Eric Grinley and Scott Perry. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Grinley. And I'm Scott Perry. Well, awesome. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us on our first inaugural podcast. Um, me and Scott have uh, talked a lot over the last couple of years and done a lot of things together and you know, started deciding that, well, maybe we wanted to put a podcast together. So uh, here we are. Here we are. Yeah. Happy so, to be here. So, Scott, you know, I figure like maybe we should start off letting people kind of know about who we are and, and why we did this. So, um, you know, I don't know if you want to kind of, you know, tell a little bit uh, about like kind of how we met and how this all came about. Yeah, I think, you know, we met through your business, Esquire Advertising. Uh, happy customers here. little plug there <laughs> for you. But, uh, you know, we've had some great conversations at the Leadership Conference, uh, the Furniture Today Leadership Conference. And, you know, I think we just really connected on what's going on in marketing and advertising, uh, marketing yeah. technology, et cetera. So, yeah, uh, I mean, I thought I, it was a great idea to have a podcast. Yeah, I remember like, you know, just having like lots of conversations. It's like, man, we should be recording this because this is kind of crazy, like how well these these conversations kind of spin off and like become like their own thing. So um, I'm glad that we finally got to do this. Like I remember at the leadership conference, we were talking about doing it and then uh, talk to Furniture Today. Uh, shout out to Furniture Today for actually hosting this for us and distributing it to everybody. Yeah, um, thanks, Bill. Yeah, thank you. Um, but, uh, you know, talking about it then and then like now here we are actually finally doing a recording of it. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy that we're able to do this. And so, you know, I think we should probably just tell the audience a little bit about who we are and what. I guess I can start it off. Um, you know, I'm Eric Grinley. I'm the CEO and founder of Esquire Advertising. Uh, we work with uh, tons of furniture and mattress and appliance retailers throughout the country doing marketing and advertising. Uh, we have some pretty unique, uh, interesting proprietary technology that we launched that's helped a lot of the industry, both to target customers better, understand their markets better, um, and uh, you know, even as far as like going and, and doing streaming television ads on a one-to-one -one basis. So we have a lot of cool stuff. I've been in the marketing industry for, I don't know, it seems like my entire life. I was thinking about this the other day. Um, I was like, you know, I think that my first marketing job was actually uh, selling candy in elementary school because I was coming up with interesting two-for-one deals in order to get people to give me their lunch money. Um, so that's like my first intro to marketing and really understanding, like, you know, I even had financing options. Like I, you know, hey, you can have this candy bar, pay me 50 cents of your lunch every day. Um, so I, you know, I think I've always kind of had it in my veins, but um, I, uh, I really um, got big into marketing through the affiliate industry and, you know, had an email marketing company, uh, had a, an affiliate network, um, you know, had a Facebook marketing company, had all those things until we started really developing technology in 2016. So um, I have a lot of interesting insights into different things. Like if there's a piece of marketing that's out there, I've probably touched it in some regard. Um, I think the only thing I was thinking about this, like the only thing I haven't really done in a formal sense is probably radio advertising. Um, but I actually, you know, did spend some time working in the music industry where I worked with uh, boy bands and uh, rock bands and some stuff um, when I was working um, at a record label. And uh, I was actually into the radio promotion side of it. So I guess I did do a little bit of marketing on radio, but I've never formally bought advertising on radio. So um, but other than that, I've pretty much touched it all. That's funny. You mentioned you know, the side hustle of selling candy at school. I totally did that. Right. We had like a little business. We had like four of us and we would sell, you know, lollipops and candy bars. It was, oh, yeah. it was and then we would meet once a month and split the profits up. And <laughs> I remember one time we actually, uh, we started doing deliveries. A friend of mine would actually take call. Yeah. He would take calls to his house and be like, Hey, I need candy. And like, you know, uh, I was always a runner. And so I would literally like, you know, run to the store and I would go and buy this candy and then deliver it as like the original uh, DoorDash. You invented DoorDash. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Yeah, I even remember going door to door in my neighborhood selling greeting cards and, you know, I would I would do whatever, uh, low, mow yards. I was always kind of hustling. Um, a little bit about me, Scott Perry. I'm the executive vice president of digital at Jerome's Furniture, uh, Southern California-based regional furniture player, and been around since 1954, 24 locations, great business, uh, super happy working here. It's a lot of fun. Uh, my career started back in 1995. I started a company called OfficeFurniture.com and FurnitureOnline.com, and I grew those businesses to be pretty big and then sold it off in the year 2000, right before the dot-com bust. You know, wow. So I remember, I remember going through that. Um, I started another online company, EverythingFurniture.com. Uh, in 2006, we were ranked number 46 in the Inc. 500 pretty proud of that. We had like 1,204% growth over a three-year period. Uh, and then I, I eventually merged that with a larger competitor in New York. And then in 2013, I kind of grew cold on the online-only game. And I thought, hey, Omnichannel is the way to go. And I started, so I sold the rest of my shares of my stock to my business partner and went to go work for Jerome's. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, I remember you telling me about that at market and you were saying something about like this was back in the day when you were like literally scanning in pictures of furniture and like the totally. circulars and, and loading them online and everybody thought you were crazy. Yeah, I remember I would I went to Kinko's with an O'Sullivan catalog and O'Sullivan is like a ready to assemble kind of like Ikea stuff. Um, you know, it was cheap to ship that stuff around because of, of the packaging. And I remember going to Kinko's and scanning like 16 bit gifts, you know, of of the catalog. And then that's how we got content. You know, it was before digital photography, there weren't even digital cameras. That was the only way. And the scanners were slow, you know? Oh, so yeah. the first website that I built had 16 products um, and it fit on a floppy, a 1.44 <laughs> floppy drive. I still have it somewhere too. There's, the there's probably website. people, there's probably people watching this going, what's a floppy? Yeah. What's a floppy? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> it's a very small square that holds media. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing how things have changed, right? Like, I mean, like uh, the industry has changed so much just even in the last three years, not to mention the last 20 years, um, you know, both from marketing and from retail. Yeah, there's been a lot of changes. There's a lot of changes in the way that consumers interact with brands. Um, it's We live in a very omni-channel world. The customer's in charge now, like they've never been before. They make all the decisions. Brand loyalty is uh, is flighting and fleeting at, at times. So it's a, it's a challenge to keep a customer engaged, be where the customers are. And it's just think about where it was three years ago. TikTok was barely a thing. Yeah. And now more, more time is spent on that platform than anything. So yeah, no our world moves in light speed. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Um, you know, I, I, th I think it's interesting, the brand loyalty equation, especially in retail, right? Because there's almost like two sides of brand loyalty, because you have the manufacturers that have some brand loyalty, right? Like if you take like a, um, you know, a like Temper Sealy, yeah, or a Sony, or, you know, like any of the, the, those are manufacturer type brands, right? But then you also have brand loyalty at the store level in some regards, right? Like a Jerome's is going to have a loyal customer. And the person walking in there may or may not care about the brand that's on the floor, they're going to Jerome's for its brand. So there's almost two brand equations in every retail marketing effort. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we're lucky at Jerome's, you know, been, being around for so long and, and helping customers, 
you know, people want someone that they trust when, when they're making a purchase like furniture, there's, there's, it's such a highly considered purchase that that trust goes a long way and they really don't care so much what the brand is on the floor. In fact, we don't even really use brands. We, we direct source most of our product. So it's more about the Jerome's brand and the product itself and, and the trust that's there. Yeah. So it's interesting, like, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, for everybody that's kind of watching, right. And we're listening, um, you know, this is obviously our first podcast and we don't really know like how long these conversations are going to go just yet. Um, you know, we're kind of thinking that they'll land somewhere between like 15 and 30 minutes. Um, and, uh, we haven't really, you know, put together a, a real formal way of doing this. We figured it's sort of just like, you can listen in on the conversations that we would just generally have. Um, but we were talking about, um, you know, this idea of, of, of how the recession is, or, you know, are we even in a recession? You know, is the downturn, you know, is it here? How's it affecting different people? And it's interesting because, you know, obviously we have reaches all over the United States in, you know, so many different markets. And uh, the, the feeling is different from market to market, from client to client, because there are some stores in some markets that are still doing very, very well. There are some markets like California, where you are at, where, you know, there's a lot of people that are struggling. Um, and so, you know, it, like I've been getting asked a lot, um, from, from clients, like, you know, if the, if the turndown or the, you know, if this gets worse, you know, if we really do enter a recession and, you know, we enter those periods of time, you don't really know how long it's going to last or what's going to happen because of it, or, you know, how your business is going to be affected. And, you, and there's such a spectrum of retailers out there too, where some of them are really large, right? They can have 25 locations and you have some people that are a single store operator. Um, you know, and, uh, I've really, you know, started digging into even just the historical stuff around, you know, what is the best thing to do from a marketing standpoint when you're in a recession? Um, and I discovered this McGraw Hill study that came out where McGraw Hill basically surveyed and looked at 600 different companies nationwide that were in 16 different retail industries, but they were all retail related. Um, and what McGraw Hill found was that basically for the stores that kept on advertising through the recession, that they saw basically um, uh, the ability to, to maintain their business throughout the recession. You know, yeah, did they do amazing? No. But did they survive? Yes. Um, but then what happened to them after the recession started to turn out? The stores that advertised during the downtime um, came out with like a 258% increase in sales over their bottom versus the, the competitors that didn't. The competitors that didn't only saw an 18% in, an increase in sales from the bottom. Um, while at the same time, those people that were advertising saw a massive increase in, in uh, market share and consumer sentiment, whereas the people that didn't advertise basically saw a 0% increase in market share and, and, and less consumer sent, sentiment about their, their brand. So, um, you know, like it, for me, it tells me that like, you know, you have to be smart about where you're advertising a downturn. You have to be efficient with that advertising spend. Mm -hmm but you have to keep advertising. You can't look at advertising and marketing spend as just completely discretionary, that it's just like a, you know, a, a line item on the financial and that like, hey, if I'm looking to cut things, then this is the thing I'm gonna cut. And obviously like everyone's gonna say, well, you would say that, right? You, you run a, an advertising technology company and a marketing company, like, yeah, you know, like I'm, I'm, I don't want people to, you know, stop advertising. But the reality of it is, is that, you know, you, you, you're kind of relinquished to this point where when your business is like facing a, a potential roadblock, you know, do you, do you give up or do you push into it? Do you find a way no. around it? You know, no, like, you know I, I totally believe that that study, um, you know, you, you oh, have yeah. to keep, you have to keep out there. Don't stop. Won't stop with the advertising. You know, if you need to be efficient as a business, look at your operations, 
you know, try to get efficient in other, you know, elements of your business and also look to be more efficient in what you're doing with your advertising. You know, we kind of look at like, how do we, how do we best target our customers? You know, how do we be less reliant on broadcast, which is kind of spray and pray a little bit. And how do we get focused and get in front of our, our customers, our Experian mosaic segments in OTT, or how do we lean on our customer base more? You know, we may shift more towards mid or lower funnel as a strategy to try to be more efficient in the short term, mm. but you just have to keep the drumbeat going. You can't yeah, I agree. be out there. You know, our business is very media sensitive. You know, when we have times where we're a little bit lighter on, you know, impression loads across Los Angeles and San Diego, we feel it, you know, so we have to keep that nice steady drumbeat, keep top of mind. And then, you know, when the dust settles after this, which I think will be somewhere in the beginning or, or middle of 2023, people remember you and you're top of mind. You have to stay top of mind. You know, people get barraged by, by media everywhere, you know, direct mail, TV, you're getting advertised to left and right. You have to have a steady drumbeat and be part of the conversation or you're going to get forgotten about quickly. So if you're no trying doubt. to save money, advertising and marketing is probably the last thing you need to touch. I agree. Reason, um, you know, I mean, obviously, like I, I think there's 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 a part of it where you have to kind of look at maybe there's some media where you can make some cuts. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think, you know, it's just the same thing you're talking about. Like, hey, I want to get less of broadcast, less, less of linear TV. Right. So I'm going to move to these these um, areas where I can be more efficient. You know, the thing that's interesting about that McGraw-Hill study is you go back and look at it like, you know, uh, hyper-targeted marketing, the ability to target people as, as granular as we can today didn't really exist. You know, they had behavioral targeting to a certain extent. You know, they had some of these tools. Um, and I've talked about this before with others is that like, you know, you look at Ashley Furniture um, during like the 2008 downturn, right? Um, you know, they were not nearly as big as they are today. And the reason for that is because during that time period, they said, hey, we're going to push in heavy. We're going to we're going to try and gobble up market share. We're going to try and expand the brand. We're going to keep on advertising. We're going to keep on pushing. You know, they looked at it as like, hey, this is a time that you go to war. And um, and they, and you I, know, they also they opened more locations, yes. you know, because real estate was at a discount and yeah. real estate, the stock market has its downturns. It always comes back and it always comes back bigger and better. So when, when there's times that are challenging like this, and this is conversations I've had with our ownership and our CEO, this is an opportunity, you know, because people are kind of scrambling and struggling. Uh, we're in a good financial position to take advantage of some of these opportunities that are coming our way. So let's let's rethink a few things. Let's get efficient. But now's now's the time. Let's be opportunistic with this. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, I think it's going to be interesting to see who really kind of emerges from all of this as the next big winner of it all. And I and my hope is, is that, you know, the um, the brick and mortar retailers in general will be the winner out of it. You know, it's interesting, you know, when you look at um, what they're predicting for, like increases in sales, um, you know, year over year, like I think I want to say it was like in 2020, there was like, I don't know, like a a four or 5% increase in retail sales for the year. Then like in 2021, it went way up. It was like 14%. And then they said 2022 should be like six to 8%. But I think most of that was judging on like the beginning part of 2022. And right. no one really knows what's going to happen like in like, you know, the Black Friday time, you know, the like fourth quarter time period for selling. But, um, you know, one thing that's interesting is that when they look at retail sales, you know, like they, they include in there like e-commerce, you know, so they're looking at all of that. 
but the e-commerce sales, especially in like the home furnishings industry, still is like this very small number in comparison to brick and mortar. And so, um, you know, brick and mortar retailers, I believe, really have um, an opportunity over the next, you know, probably year to 24 months to really kind of make that impression upon the public where like, you know, generally speaking, when when a recession comes, like cost of everything comes down. So, you know, like um, now obviously we're seeing great inflation, but um, but like some costs should come down. And one of those things is going to be obviously real estate. So the ability to open more locations, some of that might even be media cost, right? Where media cost comes down. So they have the ability to advertise to more people for, you know, the same amount that you were spending before, or maybe even less money. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see who's the big winners that come out of that and use it to their advantage. Yeah, I think it definitely will, will be interesting. I think there's a big opportunity for omnichannel retailers. You know, we really don't look at e-commerce as separate from the brick and mortar side of things. And, you know, we know that, that digital impacts the overall business. So we don't try to bifurcate between e-com and in-store sales. We know that 95 to 96% of our customers have been to the website before they go in. So, you know, you can look at what percent is e-com, what percent is retail, but some of that's just channel preference with the customer. You know, our customers go, you know, to the website, to the store, to the, to the back and forth, like four or five times. They look at four or five competitors with all these tabs open. It's definitely an omni-channel experience and, and where they pull the triggers a lot of times yeah. is out of convenience or, or just customer channel preference. Yeah. So, you know, like, obviously, like, you know, you mentioned, like, you've talked to your, your leadership about, you know, how you can really kind of use this stuff to your advantage. Like, how are you looking at the downturn from like a media mix sort of standpoint? Are you looking at things and you say like, hey, you know, obviously you talked about linear and kind of wanting to get off uh, broadcast and, you know, move to like OTT and expanding some of those segments. Like, what about the other mediums? Like, are y'all doing still any like, you know, print, um, you know, circulars, all that stuff? And do you, how do you see that sort of affecting over the next, you know, year or so? Yeah, we do direct mail. Uh, we, we do all channels. You name it and we're in it. Uh, one thing we're looking for in 2023 is how do we be more efficient with our video advertising? Uh, you know, and by video advertising, that includes, you know, broadcast over the air, um, cable, even OTT, YouTube. We see a big opportunity in YouTube. You know, we can get great impressions for like, say, eight to 12 bucks CPMs. Yeah. You know, where those, those same CPMs in the LA DMA on broadcast can be like 30, 40 bucks on broadcast TV. So, you know, we're, we're just looking to get efficient. How can we get in front of customers that are most likely to visit our stores or go to our website and engage with our brand? So, we, you know, we've done a good amount of work and customer analytics to really understand who is our customers you know, what segments are we attracting into the store? Which ones do we want more of? And through OTT and some of our, you know, channel by channel strategy of targeting our best customers or our best likely customers, you know, and even like, you know, working with you guys, getting at like the address level, that one-to-one -one level, it just means everything getting in front of that new mover, getting in front of the yeah. neighbor of someone that just bought from us, because, you know, there's a high likelihood that that's our customer, you know, that neighborhood is our customer. So that's what we look for or what we're looking for in 2023 is how do we get as efficient as possible? And, you know, that, that not only helps us with cost controls and just, you know, being uh, fiscally responsible with our marketing dollars, but when this, you know, recession or downturn in the economy starts heading the other direction, 
when you're that efficient and you're just like, now you can really start pouring, putting, you know, wood on the fire, if you will, it's just going to be that much better when it comes around. So now's the time to get really good at those things. Mm -hmm. And the tools and the strategies and the tactics are as good as they've ever been, you know, in history. And it's only going to get better. So now's the time to refine your internal skill sets around customer data, you know, build your customer data practice, understand who your customer is, and then build strategies off of that to get in front of that customer, wherever they may be, whether it's TikTok or OTT or YouTube or email or wherever they are, you want to be in front of them. So you said a couple of things in there that I, I want to just kind of, I guess, like call out a little bit. So um, when you talk about YouTube, are you talking like YouTube TV or are you talking just YouTube in general? I'm talking YouTube in general. I think YouTube TV is part of that equation. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, right now, they only, as granular as they let us get, is a state level. So it's not an option for us because we don't have stores in Northern California. We wouldn't want the media waste up there right now. Um but, you know, they are going to start doing DMA-type targeting in California, which would make that more of an option. However, the CPMs are pretty high. It's it's definitely premium inventory. And when you add on the expense of, say, an Experian Mosaic segment, which will add another $1.25 to the CPMs, <clears throat> then you layer in zip code targeting, you know, those CPMs can start climbing. But on YouTube specifically, it's still a bargain. You know, in my eyes. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, it's interesting. um, You know, like I think um, when I hear like, you know, getting efficient with things, the first thing that comes to mind for me is basically know your customer. Um, And I I preach that all the time to everybody. Yeah, it's it's all about know your customer, right? Like you can't be efficient in any sort of marketing. I don't care what it is unless you know your customer. That's like for us as our company, you know, like our goal is to understand your customer better than you do. And like, you know, we have access to all this data. And so we look at like, you know, who are your customers? Who is your competitors customers? You know, what do they look like? What are their demographics? You know, you know, we're looking at the household level and then like we're using that data to power the marketing. So that way, you know, we're not guessing what is going to be the most efficient way for you to spend your money. We're saying, Hey, the data is telling us that you should do this, but all of it comes down to know your customer. Um, you know, we did a study recently, um, on basically foot traffic across the United States, um, because we wanted to see one, you know, how has foot traffic been changing from the start of 2022 to the end now? Um, and then we also wanted to see how, um, the foot traffic changed based on if somebody was working with us or not working with us. So like we looked at like our, our client stores versus their closest competitors in the market, um, and looked at like their traffic over a period of the year versus the competitor's traffic over a period of the year. And the stores that were working with us, you know, like I think the lowest increase over their next closest competitor was like 37% on, on foot traffic. They were better, but like most of the time it was like 127, 200%, you know, they were widely ahead. And I really equate that to, to a couple of things. One is we understand the customers in the market. We understand your customer. We understand who you should be advertising to so we can be efficient with the spending. But on top of that, we get all of our customers to do advertising nonstop year round, 365 days a year. And when we came into this industry, I was really shocked to find how many stores live and die by a sale that they'll only just come into the market and they advertise for President's Day. Then they stop marketing. They come back for the next sale and they they go on and they go off. They go on and they go off. And that like I've never heard of that in any sort of marketing endeavor I've ever done where you just basically (laughs) give up on on brand awareness for a period of time. It just never made any sense to me. And I was like, you know, if you all would just advertise nonstop, you'd have more consistent traffic. And so when you look at like the traffic uh, volumes of these stores that we were working with, 
it's like, you know, they're constantly kind of like moving in an upward trend. And even when there was like a downturn in their market, if there was a dip in, in, in market traffic, their dip was always smaller. And the, and the competitor's dip was always much more greater. And I really equate that to the fact that like, hey, look, we're always top of mind. We're not stopping. And you know, these other people are stopping. And so, um, you know, you would also see like around the sales times that like, hey, our increase was always greater than the next closest competitor. While at the same time, after the sale was over, the people that were not advertising, they saw a huge drop off in traffic, whereas our customers were basically would go back to baseline. So they would never go below base of where we were before the sale. Um, versus everybody else would be like under base, you know? Um, and that's, you know, that's exactly how I do media planning. You know, there, there's a baseline drum beat that happens and we'll flex around, you know, holiday time periods when, when you need to kind of flex, but it never goes beyond that baseline. You know, you need yeah. that steady drum beat kind of happening. Yeah. And uh, just to kind of elaborate a little bit more on your other point, um, I think it's it's really interesting how much, I have a lot of conversations with with peers in our industry and outside of our industry and other retail verticals. It it still amazes me how many retailers in our industry and other ones don't have a good grasp of who their customer is. You know, things like customer lifetime value, purchase frequency, you know, what what segments are they attracting in their stores and online? You know, there's still, you know, I was at an East Coast uh, retailer for a few years before I came back to Jerome's. And that was one of my questions was, what is our customer lifetime value? What is our purchase frequency? You know, how many, you know, average transactions in a two-year period did we get out of, a, out of a customer? And no one knew the answers to that. And that kind of surprised me. You know, a multi-billion dollar brand that doesn't really know who their customer is. And those things changed over the years where we, you know, we employed, you know, a VP of research and analytics to really do that research and find out who is our customer. And it's different when you have 24 markets across the country, you know, because it's it's just a different makeup. But it still surprises me how many people don't have a firm understanding of who their customer is. And that's what you need to know first before you can really build strategies and tactics around getting more of those people. Or yeah. where are they at, you know, and what types of channels do they react to? Do they react to email marketing or direct mail? Are they watching TV? Are they listening to the radio? You really need to understand what's going on as a baseline to then build strategies and tactics around getting in front of those people where they spend time. No doubt. And I, I mean, I think uh, you hit the nail on the head and, and, you know, what you're talking about is even more granular look than even most uh, brands and manufacturers kind of look at it. Right. Everybody paints these really broad strokes like my customer is uh, into fitness and, you know, they, uh, you know, they, they, uh, they love design and like, you know, they're the high end customer. It's like all these like, you know, buzzwords. It's not data. Right. Like um, it's you not know. data. Yeah, it, it's not. And when we kind of went through that exercise, uh, you know, a lot of interesting things came about, you know, we, we have an older wealthy demographic that we weren't really as aware of. And we ask ourselves questions like, is that a result of our marketing channels? Because we're heavily dependent on broadcast television and that demographic is a little bit older or retired and, mm. or is it just because, Hey, they've, they've got disposable income, you know, they've yeah. got, they're more in the market for consumer durable goods than the average Joe or the college kid. So having those understandings is, is key for us. Yeah, no doubt. And so like, look, we're almost at 30 minutes. So, you know, I think we've covered a lot here and I think we got a lot more to talk about for the next time. 
Um, so, so. so, you know, I mean, like, uh, why don't we wrap it up here? Um, you know, this has been Marketing Retail with Eric Grinley and Scott Perry. Um, we're going to be coming back. We'll probably be doing one of these, like, you know, every couple of weeks to every month. We're not really sure yet what the cadence is going to be, but please be on the lookout for it. We'll make sure that we're always bringing good content. Um, it's not always just going to be the two of us talking. Um, we're going to sometimes bring on guests from different manufacturers, different retailers. We'll get some marketing people in here to, you know, give their take on things. Um, but our goal here is just to like, you know, have a conversation around marketing retail and really what the effects are um, and what you could be doing for your business to just make it a little bit better. And so, you know, if you took something from this, this uh, podcast today, hopefully it is that, you know, look, you understand your customer, you know, the value of marketing um, and uh, you know, you really kind of dig into the data, you know, if, uh, um, if there's one thing that you really could do more of, it's to understand your customer better. It'll help you be more efficient in your marketing. It'll help you be more efficient with everything. So, you know, um, uh, you know, this is, this has been awesome. You know, uh, our first podcast, uh, you know, yeah, looking forward yeah. to the next one. Yeah. Right. Uh, big shout out to Jerome's for, you know, helping us out with this and obviously Esquire advertising. Uh, um, <clears throat> if you're out there and you need some help with advertising, Hey, we're here, you know, so <laughs> Scott knows. Um, well, thanks, Scott. Um, we'll we'll do the next one, and um, you know, I don't know. We'll maybe we'll expand more on the next one on this idea of uh, changing demographics and how that affects um, you know the marketing and how that affects who you get and why you get them and where you are. So, um, but we'll we'll figure it out and we'll we'll be back again. So, thanks everybody for tuning in. Uh, you know, we'll see you soon. All right, see you in San Diego here shortly. Oh yeah, thanks, Scott. Okay, bye.